Welcome to Movies or Life. I'm your host, Nathan Chandler. And somebody call HR because we are talking about the workplace romance Two Weeks Notice, starring Sandra Bullock and Hugh Grant. And I'm happy to welcome in an old East Texas family friend, Sarah Medine, to talk about this film, which falls at number 17 on the 50 best rom coms list. How are you doing, Sarah? I'm doing great. How are you? So good. I I mean, how long has it been since we've talked to each other? <laughs> Maybe since when this movie came out in 2002. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like I was, you know, especially after college, I was real connected uh, to your dad and we did lots of things like in Longview. But then I think since I moved from Longview, I mean, I, I just really I don't think I have seen your family since then. <laughs> I think it's been a while for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Well, um, I, I don't know. If we I know you definitely love the theater world, but I, I didn't know. Are you a big movie fan as well? I am a big movie fan. I have genres that I enjoy more than others. I love actually going to the movies. I love sitting with popcorn and my personal preference is a Coke Zero. Now, if you go up north, the only option is Pepsi, which really makes me sad, but I really enjoy the movie experience. So even if it's not as great a movie, I still want to be immersed in the theater. Yeah. Well, I feel, I feel like I'm kind of cheating you a little bit because I, uh, I, I feel like a musical would have been like perfect for you to discuss, but I hope, uh, I hope this romantic comedy will suffice. This is one of my favorites. So it's a perfect fit. <laughs> Great. Well, that's a, that's a perfect lead in, uh, to just jump in and we'll explore this world of career choices, personal values and work-life balance. Meet Lucy Kelson. Hey, that's my coffee, you jerk! Oh, sorry, I'm so sorry. See, I thought, Moron. You, I thought you were needy. She has a law degree from Harvard. You're my brilliant chief counsel who's always honest with me. Well, then, honestly, I think you are the most selfish human being on the planet. Well, that's just silly. Have you met everyone on the planet? And an eccentric billionaire boss. Congratulations on the baby. What baby? Two Weeks Notice is a 2002 American romantic comedy film written and directed by Mark Lawrence and starring Hugh Grant and Sandra Bullock. Although critical response was mixed at the time, the film was successful at the box office. If you don't know about the movie, uh, Two Weeks Notice is about a dedicated environmental lawyer, Lucy Kelson, played by Sandra Bullock, who goes to work for billionaire George Wade as part of a deal to preserve a community center. Indecisive and weak-willed, George grows dependent on Lucy's guidance on everything from legal matters to clothing. Exasperated, Lucy gives notice and picks Harvard graduate June Carter as her replacement. As Lucy's time at the firm nears an end, she grows jealous of June and has second thoughts about leaving George. I, from what I could find, I don't think it was nominated for a Golden Globe or, but, you know, I feel like this is a movie that, um, especially I think probably people around our age or our generation, this was definitely a movie that they saw, but I can't quite recall when I saw it. Uh, how about you? I do remember watching it and it's very interesting to me as I was looking up different facts about the film, I did not realize that same year, the romantic comedies that came out such as Sweet Home Alabama, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, Made in Manhattan, some others that were really big movies that I still love and watch to this day. I did not realize all of those came out the same year that this movie came out. Yeah, yeah, early 2000s were very, very heavy uh, on these and probably, you know, definitely at that time could draw people into the movie theater. I, I think now if, if it's just a straight up romantic comedy, people aren't really that it's just not it doesn't find a really big audience unless the only thing I can think of is maybe it was like starring Zendaya and Tom Holland now or something. Maybe that would <laughs> like draw in a different generation, but a lot of the rom-coms now just seem to go to the streaming services. Absolutely. And it's sad to me because I love a great rom-com for sure. Yeah. So what about this movie? Do, do you really enjoy about it? I think it's the first time I really saw Hugh Grant with the clever banter. If I think back to Notting Hill, that was much more, it was a beautiful rom-com, but it was much more cerebral, I think, and it did not have that quick banter. And he and Sandra Bullock have that perfectly. She's known for that, and she's done it in so many movies. But I love Hugh Grant. I think he's absolutely adorable and would watch pretty much anything that he is in. 
but the way their chemistry in this movie was absolutely perfect to me. And I think it reminds me a lot of my husband's and my banter back and forth. Um, he's really smart and I had to up my game when we got married. And so um, being able to have that kind of banter where you could go back and forth, very quick witted, uh, just funny. There's so many funny one-liners in this movie. I think that's why I love it so much is because you have to be listening. You can't just tune out. Otherwise you miss half of what's going on and those funny one-liners. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't done the official tally, but so far we've, we've made it about halfway through this list. Um, it's probably very fair to say that Hugh Grant has what, probably makes the most appearances on this list. So it's kind of funny. I feel like I'm becoming the Hugh Grant expert <laughs> as far as, <laughs> and, and, and I haven't even said, we haven't covered Love Actually yet. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure he's another one. It, it's not popping to mind. And uh, we Sandra Bullock's been in a couple as well, but you know, this is definitely um, the two of them together. I mean, I, I've realized between both of them, just in their individual films, how much they actually elevate all the people around them. And so um, the fact that these two come together, I mean, it, it's almost like even if it wasn't Sandra Bullock in this film, I think Hugh Grant would have like made the movie more than it is and vice versa. If it was just Sandra Bullock and somebody else playing Hugh Grant, I think people would like it just because it's her. You know, uh, I think they're both just that talented. And so the fact that they're together, I think, makes this movie extremely re you know, rewatchable and enjoyable, even though I think they both definitely elevate the material. I agree with that. And I think that they are really in their sweet spot in this movie. They really, they play off each other so well. And I think anybody else probably could have stepped into that, but it seemed like they had so much fun doing it at the same time. Yeah. Um, I, I was just thinking, like, it really feels like they are coming in here, one, like, enjoying each other. And I think that always makes for a good rom-com, like when you can tell the actors uh, are enjoying each other's presence. Uh, but at this point in both of their careers, you know, they both kind of rose like in the early nineties. And so they're, you know, at this point, 2002, they're pretty, you know, they're pretty seasoned. And I do feel like it's both of them are just kind of come in and they're like, okay, hold my beer. Just let, it, let us show you how it's done. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I kind of threw in a little jab there. Do you think I'm being a little too harsh on like, I feel like if they weren't in this movie, uh, I still think number 17 is pretty high, uh, <laughs> in my opinion. But I, I mean, I think if you took them away from this movie, this movie doesn't have uh, a lot of legs to stand on. I agree with that. I mean, it's a pretty common theme for a movie. Uh, you have two people that work in a workplace together that are complete opposites. I mean, it's really, it's, there's nothing new to the storyline, I would say. But something about, I would say, Hugh Grant in this, as I watched it and thought about other movies that I've seen him in, it's a pretty common role for him. Now, he got to be funny, but he also was just the charming playboy and went off his looks and went off his intelligence. And I wouldn't say he just dialed it in or called it in, but I don't think that this was Oscar worthy material. Now I've seen him in other things since that he was really fantastic in and saw a whole complete depth and different side to him than I'd ever seen before. And same with Sandra Bullock, but this was just a fun movie and it was perfect for the time when rom-coms were really at their height and really brought people to the theaters and people really loved it. And this, I believe this genre, this, um, this time period was really the heyday for romantic comedies and this fit perfectly in there. Yeah, no, definitely for sure. And um, yeah, and I haven't like, I'm not the expert on the Hugh Grant canon, but compared to some of the other movies we watched, like Four Weddings and a Funeral and Notting Hill, um, you know, he's very much the protagonist. And this one's a little bit of a turn where, um, I actually think uh, it's almost a little fascinating, I think, because his simmering and his dialogue and all that is still kind of intact. But he's definitely playing someone who's, you know, quote unquote, the bad guy, even though we know, you know, he's going to turn in some way. But, you know, he, he he's definitely like the, you know, 
evil person. And it's just kind of funny that even 2002, I mean, especially in the eighties with like movies like wall street and stuff, there was always a sense of, um, you know, the corporate or overlords. And, but I think we're even more sensitive to it now, you know, especially with like Jeff Bezos and, you know, Elon Musk and those characters. So it was kind of funny watching this, you know, movie from 2002. And it's like, you know, uh, that, that like corporate, like rich, I can do anything type of guys always, you know, kind of been there, but you know, they, it's still, I think we were a little bit more forgiving back then than we are now. Well, and I think he was such a passive character in that particular realm, because if you look at him and his brother, his brother is definitely the villain. He has no conscience, yes. uh, has zero personality. <laughs> uh, he and his wife, they, they're complete straight, uh, I mean, they literally have zero personality and watching them in comparison where he is the one making the decisions and uh, Hugh Grant is the face. He is just the charming, can go and talk to anyone, is repeating verbatim what someone has given him or just whatever first comes to mind. And he completely goes off his looks and charm alone without having to have any accountability. And so I feel like he is the villain, but he's more the face of the company where his brother is the true villain of the story. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. Um, I still don't know if I quite buy, you know, Sandra Bullock's character, Lucy, uh, taking this job. <laughs> I think, I think the route that they take to like, I'm going to save the community center center is, uh, you know, it's, it's a little kind of, I don't know. I, I just, I, I didn't quite buy that she would make this decision, but you know, I, I don't know. Maybe if you're st starving for money that much, you, you know, you make such decisions. <laughs> well, I thought it was so funny how her parents are so against her taking it, especially her mother, but her father eventually says, you know, it's good to have the bail money because she is such an activist and is in jail <laughs> so often. So I think at that point, he's looking at the bottom line of this would be great to replenish our fund where we're not having to spend it all on bail money. So it is a stretch, huh? definitely. And again, this is not an Oscar worthy screenplay, but it's a lot of fun. You and Tim, did, you didn't meet in the same workplace, did you? No, we didn't. We actually met at church in the college Sunday school department. And so we're both very different okay. people than we were back then. But even then he was witty and one of the funniest people I had ever met. And I thought, oh my gosh, I've never met anybody like him. And this is really fun. And even to this day, it's 25 years later that we've been together. We laugh on a daily basis and there's witty things that are being said in our house. And so I can definitely relate to that in that relationship. I also kind of laughed at this. I just mentioned kind of the fact that, you know, th there's a lovable, you know, CEO type, which you probably wouldn't see in today's films. If you took screenwriters today, they would go with a whole different bent. Oh, yes. With the whole Me Too movement, this movie would not have even been made. There would have been so many backlashes about it. No, it, it would not even be possible. Is there, uh, is there any scenes that you always remember? I think my favorite is when George is just expressing how much he depends on Lucy's point of view. And she's completely exasperated at this point. All right, George, you are absolutely right. This has nothing to do with you. This is entirely all my thing because I've managed to turn myself into this, 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 there's not even a name for it. Well, that's not like I'm enjoying it either, you know. Before you came into my life, I was capable of making all kinds of decisions. Now I can't. I'm addicted. I have to know what you think. What do you think? George, I think you're the most selfish human being on the planet. That's just silly. Have you met everyone on the planet? Things like that, that scene, yeah. I love that scene. I think it is so funny. Um, I also love when he's talking about her mother and she is truly terrifying. Her looks, I just hope someday I can completely emulate those when I meet my boys' girlfriends. But um, he says to Lucy, yes, she is terrifying. I thought she was going to kill me and feed me to the poor. I mean, just little one-liners like that are my absolute favorites from this movie. Yeah, it, he it almost slips out of his mouth so quickly and softly. You know, he's always kind of have a softer tone uh, with his delivery that they they can almost like go over your head a little bit uh, as far as the cleverness of the writing goes. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I know this is real random. Uh, it's not necessarily like um, one of my favorite scenes, but I had this in uh, a bold type, but when they ha go to the, uh, what kind of, 
a party dinner is that like it was a costume ball sort of or whatever like that it's like but, a fundraiser yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah anyway i i thought sandra bullock looked wonderful in her dress I, I thought that was a good moment of like you know highlighting you know how just how gorgeous she is i i don't know if that if you noted that or anything well they kept her so plain and so yes. straightforward through the whole movie i mean even her suits or beige or i mean just completely plain and then to have her have such a contrast and it, a lot of it came from that jealousy of june stepping in and the attention that june was getting it's like she all of a sudden realized that she was a woman <laughs> and you know she could step and own that power and own that beauty and it took george completely off guard because he wasn't used to seeing that side of her either so yes she is stunning at that party there were two scenes that i I remember this always being a favorite of my mom's. Like, I think I bought this DVD for like for around Christmas, like around this time, I guess 2002 or so. Um, but the two scenes, like I still always remembered. Uh, one was the tennis scene uh, where they, you know, she's kind of basically recruited this new girl, June, you know, to replace her. And of course, uh, jealousy ensues. But I love the... Um, competitiveness that uh, happens <laughs> during that scene <laughs> that scene and then the one following where they have to get off the highway and they have to find the rv that part absolutely kills me every single time just yes the look on the woman's face when lucy kelson is in the restroom and she's like come on babies and, you know they're all terrified and i thought oh my gosh like this would never happen in real life but right it just is <laughs> so funny Okay, don't panic. We'll be back in the city in 20 minutes. I don't have 20 seconds. I feel like I swallowed a cruise missile. Listen, if you want to go, go. What, 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 what am I, five years old? This is my car. It's only a Volvo. Well, people just don't go in Volvos. I'm buying another Volvo. No, because for the rest of your life, that'll be the only thing you'll ever remember about me. I'll be the woman who went on the front seat. That would be hard to forget. And those scenes, I mean, the tennis scene, not so much so, but I mean, everybody has had that moment, even if it wasn't a romantic uh, jealousy or rivalry, like you had that, you've had that moment where you've played some kind of game or sport and you're like basically rivals across from you and you just completely lose sense of everything else around you and you're only focused on beating that person and then i think everybody that may have I mean, happened the weekend i met my husband <laughs> oh really <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> do, do, do tell <laughs> well we met really and spent time during a disciple now weekend at a friend's house and it was mainly Laterno students which back then the ratio of guys to girls was very high about eight or nine to one and my dad was the teacher and he begged me to come that weekend and tim happened to be there that weekend and there was one other girl there who was a little odd and she kept trying to get Tim's attention. And she's like, look, I can put my legs over my head and would lay on the floor. And I was like, what is happening? So then Tim gives me his jacket while we're playing paintball. And I'm like, yes, I won. <laughs> I'm going, okay, this is really bad if I'm comparing myself to the girl that's trying to contort herself on the floor. So it just was a very interesting situation. That's hilarious. Uh, I also noted it's just, and maybe... I don't know if it's a scene that people like go to, but basically the scene where Sandra Bullock is uh, attached to her stapler during the going away party. <laughs> oh yes, that was fantastic. <laughs> oh my God, okay, fine. How much does a stapler run? Here, here's $10, here's $10. Ridiculous, no, just leave it's it. not your just stapler. What does the matter with give me my stapler? No, you didn't Look, pay for that it with your own money. Just, take just give me, it's not you have your... more of these. Oh my God. Just give, give me the stapler. Oh, no, no, no. All you're missing is the mug. Give it back to me. All right, enough, enough, enough. She's hurting me. Leave, leave, she owned that yeah. stapler it should have been hers yeah yeah and once again not like probably a, i don't think anybody's ever almost gone into a literal fist fight over something but everybody's been in a working scenario where like there's just somebody who just takes you know things just a little too far like you know you know if you, you know that pen is company property you know you're like come on <laughs> it's a pen <laughs> 
But you know, watching the scene right before that where the office is throwing her a going away party and the guy composes the poem and she immediately comes back with something clever and they're all looking at her with these blank stares. And I thought, they have zero personality. And then I thought, I worked in an office like that. I know these people. So having a personality, they weren't quite sure what to do with me. So I'm really <laughs> sure they weren't sure what to do with her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, I, I did want to talk. I thought this, I found this little fact. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, I'm, I'm just going to read it straight through just because uh, it'll come out better that way. But uh, the film was originally set to be shot entirely in Toronto due to cheaper production costs, but producer star Bullock insisted that a film about New York city must be made in New York city. It ended up being shot entirely on location within a 17 week span. The film revitalized the economy of New York city after the terrorist attacks of September 11th, 2001 and allowed businesses to flourish once again in honor of the cast and crew's contribution to the city. December 11th, 2002 was named two weeks notice day by the mayor of New York city. <laughs> that is so cool. Yeah. had no idea. Cause uh, you definitely, um, you know, a lot of these movies are set in different cities and New York city definitely, you know, pops up in a lot of these films and, you know, definitely, you know, the setting in New York city and especially him being a big CEO definitely plays into that. But I thought that was a, I thought that was a cool little, cool little nugget there. Well, that makes sense because I know the city struggled so much after that. And I'm a huge Broadway fan and the theaters, down in Times Square and in the Broadway section really struggled to bring in audiences just because of fear and um, other reasons for traveling. And so to have something like that to revitalize the economy, I'm sure was huge because New York was reeling after that and they needed all the help they could get. Uh -huh. Yep. And uh, the, the scenes also, I just wanted to know uh, between uh, his, the, the brothers, they were, uh, filmed in, uh, actually one of Donald Trump's actually, uh, actual houses. And so that's why he, he makes an appearance in this movie. So I just figured it was ego, but you never know, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So uh, we watched this with Hallie, Hallie, uh, just turned 13 and we were watching it. And when he popped up, she was just like, wait, what in the world is he doing? doing there and i was like this is the thing that happened <laughs> well, this is even pre-apprentice days so i'm uh -huh. sure that he was so excited to be able to have his yeah. on film yeah i always remember the home alone 2 cameo uh that's just i always remember that but i have completely forgotten that he he makes a little appearance in this movie well that explains it <laughs> <laughs> movie musings so this movie opens and closes with lucy uh ordering chinese food on the phone so i just was wondering what what is your favorite chinese order oh wow i love mugu gai pan that's one okay. of my favorites i also love shrimp and lobster sauce and i could really identify with her ordering multiple things because sometimes i want to eat different things and probably not quite to that excess but i can completely understand wanting different flavors <laughs> yes i know that's a that's always the temptation of you know that type of food it's just like you want all the taste you know and it's almost like you know you have to get the one thing and it's always probably a little too much than you actually need <laughs> you know it's like if I, only if i could have a little taste here and a little taste there Anything to keep me from having to cook, I will eat leftovers. So that sounds like a great plan. There you go. Yeah, I, I will say, I know it's a romantic comedy. It's not going to win an Oscar. But this scene really bothered me at the beginning and the end. I was like, who are you to like criticize Lucy for like her status in life? Like this order for one, you know, uh, and I know they like the little button at the end where she's like, no, it's actually for two. But I was just like the gall of this. <laughs> no restaurant would ever ask that of the person. <laughs> I don't think so. And it almost alluded to the fact she might have an eating disorder. And I thought, okay, there are deleted scenes that we're not aware of. Like what is happening here? But you also yeah. see it like with her chili dogs at the, after the tennis meet that she, definitely is an overeater, emotional overeater. So yeah, there was a lot of very odd inconsistencies in that plot line. Yeah, very much. And I feel like if you've been around food services workers before or restaurant owners, they do not care at all about what basically the story behind the, this, this food order. They want 
they want to get the money and the food out of there. If you want like everything on the menu, great. If you don't, you know, <laughs> let's keep it going. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> only thing I can think is how many chopsticks she needed perhaps and maybe how many fortune cookies if she's feeding more than two people but yeah none of that yeah. made sense yeah uh, so the second question i have for you is a little bit deeper but so in this movie you have lucy who is this activist uh you know liberal just wears her heart on her sleeve i don't need to make money and then you you know you have hugh grant's character you know this corporate uh ceo uh, you know, snobby has had everything handed to him. Um, and so the whole point of this movie is that, you know, these two basically find, uh, you know, a middle point, how we all wish this world could ultimately be. So uh, do you, Sarah, think that people are capable of change? You know, it's interesting as I was watching this movie last week for the first time in quite a while, it's always been a favorite, but I just, I don't have it on a streaming service. I actually had the DVD I had to pull out. And as I was watching it and my husband and I've been married 23 years. We've known each other, you know, 25 years. There's a lot of change that takes place with that. And I thought they are so completely opposite. Uh, their belief system, the way just they view humanity, the, their families. Uh, I, I kind of wondered as the movie ended, did they actually make it? Did they actually stay together? Because they are so opposite. And <laughs> I believe that people can change and I do believe that opposites attract, but their core values do not line up of who no. they are as people. And so uh, I kind of had a, <laughs> as I finished the movie and thought about it a little bit more that uh, I don't know if their storyline would continue and continue with that happily ever after. Uh, now, I don't think that she would take it as far as the previous Mrs. Wade's um, that are alluded to in the film, but I, uh, you know, I really believe that I believe that people can change if they want to change and that relationships can last even if they are not the same. But this was a bit of a stretch for <laughs> yeah. the long term. Yeah, no, man, you, you said you summed that you summed that up very well. Yeah, it's it's like opposites attract. But when, as you had mentioned it, when it comes to like core values, that's where like it almost it feels like most relationships, those align, even though, you know, personal personality traits may be very different from one another. And I just don't know if he is capable of the depth that she has. Like he's, <laughs> she's a flavor for right now and has kept his attention for a little while, but will that ADHD behavior continue, you know, five, 10 years from now? So um, yeah, I just don't know if it's, meant to be but it was for the movie so there we go <laughs> yeah right 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 yeah no exactly and in another way other way around like she is like far too intelligent for him <laughs> too i think like she would like true story uh, yeah she wouldn't you know i think she would want somebody to challenge her not you know I don't think she would like be the type to just carry somebody along through a relationship, but you know, um, okay. We kind of touched on it a little bit. We talked about that stapler scene and it just made me think, uh, and you might have a story cause you kind of alluded to this, but do you think going away parties are awkward in a workplace? Yes, generally. So, <laughs> um, it's pretty <laughs> unusual if you have, great camaraderie between people at parties. Now I've worked at jobs where there was great camaraderie and we had good parties and it was fun. And sometimes we would even hang out outside the workplace. And then I had others that I thought, I hope I don't see you on the street outside the workplace. Cause I might like <laughs> accidentally purposely trip you. So it really <laughs> just depends, but uh, they are so awkward in that whole office and no one had a personality. And I thought, this is awful. And I've worked with attorneys. They're not all like that. Most of them have a great sense of humor. So just how dry they all were, I thought was quite humorous. And it made me realize that Alicia Witt that plays June, starting with that movie, I could not stand her in anything else. I mean, she was such a great <laughs> character actress. And even I've seen her in different movies. I've seen her in Hallmark movies. And every single time I'm like, Ugh, you know, I'm just not a huge fan. And I think it stemmed from her performance in this because she is so obviously there to be a gold digger and to get into that position. It just, it's, it was such a transparent role and so shallow that I think you could see it coming from a thousand miles away. 
Yeah, no, I I think she's really good in the limited time she has in this movie for sure. Uh, she plays that foil uh, really, really well. Yeah, I I just I just kind of laugh. I I've always kind of almost traditionally, if I've left somewhere before, uh, I uh, it's basically you have the like going away lunch or party, and then you have the second one with a, like a more kind of closer group, and that that always seems to be the the quote unquote real going away. <laughs> party. <laughs> Absolutely. I think I even skipped out on mine for one place because I thought, I'm good. I, I don't need to say goodbye to anybody else. You guys have a great time. <laughs> they're, they're like, where's Sarah? Yeah. What, what happened to her? <laughs> She's gone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Rom-com rankings. We kind of talked about this like fast, this first category uh, a little bit, uh, and, which is the romantic chemistry between the leads. And so one heart being the lowest, Five Hearts being the highest. I'm interested in what you give this here because I think we both agree that Bullock and Grant are great together. The their characters, on the other hand, you know, we 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 don't know how uh, well they would fare after the end credits roll on this. So, what what how what ranking would you give this category? I would actually give it a four because okay. the final scene where he comes and is so heartfelt to her in his speech at the community center and recites that back to her when she's working at legal aid really showed a tender moment that we had not seen any other time in the movie. And her first reaction is to be critical of his speech and the elements, you know, grammatically that she was not a fan of, but then she was able to flip that as well. And, realize that she could articulate her feelings and not be seen as weak, I think, in that instance. And so I would say at that moment, and it's probably one of the best rom-com kisses I've seen at the end, like they were all about it. So uh, I thought that really kind of changed the perception for me. Okay. Okay. I, I, I gave it a solid three. Uh, just kind of, like I mentioned, I, there's just this, the character element here that I just really get hung up on, but as the, you know, the actors themselves, I, I really like what they have going on and I would, I would love to see them do another movie like this. Um, you know, e even now, even now. Um, so I know it, there's not really a big market for, you know, older adult rom-coms, but you know, I, uh, I, I would really like to see them, uh, even if it wasn't a romantic comedy, I, I feel like there's something there. There's that pitter patter there that you kind of talked about that, um, it, you know, I think is, uh, really good. And instead they both just kind of made more movies in this genre not so much ones, you know, together, but, um, so th this category, the second one I usually have is it, it, it's the best friend component, uh, of this movie. And I, I, I'll, I'll be I'll be blunt here because this we watched this a couple months ago. I was kind of I was kind of struggling <laughs> to think of who was the best friend in this movie, and so I th I think it was um, uh, Heather Burns uh, who plays Meryl Brooks. Is that right? I think that's right. Yeah, and then George has the limo driver that uh, is uh, basically fills that role of a best friend for him because he is so insulated from the rest of the world. That's really the only contact that he has that's consistent. Yeah. And I think an argument can make, be made that, you know, Lucy's parents, you know, could kind of fill that role a little bit. You kind of talked a little bit about her dad and how he kind of <laughs> warms up to the idea of her working, uh, you know, for him. Uh, so yeah, how do you rate this one? You know, I, they weren't strong characters and they really were so minimal in the movie. Now, what I thought was very interesting. So I, on the DVD that I have, they actually had deleted scenes and the only deleted scene that was on there was one of their wedding. And it was so interesting to watch because it had a completely different perspective. Uh, it shows, uh, George's brother and his wife coming and they actually invite them to something and they're touched that they've been, they're like, we've been invited. So it, it threw a completely different viewpoint on everyone with the best friend there with her mom and dad, they had the wedding at the community center. It was just a very interesting scene. And it made me curious why they didn't include it because it really 
I felt like it wrapped up the story a whole lot better than the way that the original movie ended. Uh, and I'd be curious if you can see it anywhere else because it really, I've never watched it before. Granted, the movie's been out over 20 years. I don't know why I never watched this scene, but I just, I, I thought it, it really helped give a better perspective of everyone in that and gave them more character and more depth. But just generally, the best friends, this was not a strong best friend movie. So I'd say maybe one, one and a half hearts, not a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I would agree with that as well. And um, I'm going to come back to what you just said. Well, two things. One, uh, man, kudos. I mean, you were doing some deep research for this. I, that's awesome. So because <laughs> I, I, I didn't I didn't watch that deleted scene. I want to come back to that. Um, cause that's really interesting. Cause I, I think I would actually probably like this movie a little bit better, uh, knowing, knowing that that ending existed. So we'll come back to that. Um, I, I don't know if you got a chance to listen to the soundtrack, which is the third category. So I will say the traditional soundtrack, I think if you, at the time, if you went into, uh, Best Buy or wherever to buy the CD, it would be in just the score. Uh, and it was, the score was by John Powell. Um, but you know, now that Spotify and such things exist, you know, people have like compiled the playlist of the songs that were from this movie. So I didn't know if you picked up on either of those uh, while watching this movie, or if you actually sought the soundtrack out. So when I saw that soundtrack was one of these categories and at first I thought soundtrack, like, did this even have a soundtrack? Like I did not remember songs as vividly as I did like from Notting Hill or from, right. Runaway Bride or Sleepless in Seattle that had fantastic soundtracks associated with it. And then as I started looking through the songs that were on, I thought, oh, yeah, like <laughs> it did have some songs. I just completely forgot because they weren't such a huge part of the storyline. They were definitely right. more filler or background than it did to promote the storyline. And like I said, I'm a huge musical person. And so uh, especially if it sets up the story or it really is moving the story forward, I'll latch on to that more. That was not necessarily the case for this movie. It had a very eclectic soundtrack um, as I looked through the songs. And so not that they were bad, they just were very different. So I'd say maybe two and a half, three, it was fine. Um, I didn't feel like uh, it was essential for the storytelling of the movie. Gotcha. Yeah, you, man, you're framing all this so well because I actually, my rating's a little higher. Uh, the way you, <laughs> the way you've said that, I'm, I'm like, yeah, she's, she's kind of right. I probably have this too high, uh, <laughs> but, but I, I did listen to the soundtrack uh, for the past couple of days, and the score is actually a very nice score. Like mm -hmm. uh, some, some romantic comedies around this time, they were like very. I, I kind of always jokingly say they remind me of like a Fuller ha Full House or something like that. Like very like. Q-ish type of things, you know, like if somebody falls, you hear a like, you know, a boing or something like that in the music. But this, <laughs> but this score is actually very pleasant, and I would say very soothing. And I, mm -hmm. I, if you if you're one to listen to uh, scores, as far as like if you're ever writing or doing work or whatever like that, it's a very calming soundtrack. So I, I liked it a little bit more than I thought. And then the songs that um, uh, I, I I'm a big I've always been a big Counting Crows fan, so. Mm -hmm. Big Yellow Taxi is like just very nostalgic for me. And I mean, you even have an appearance by Nora Jones in here, uh, you know, and she plays the song, The Nearness of You. And so, I mean, how to, you know, how early aughts is that, you know? Sure, <laughs> so, sure. yeah, I, I gave it three and a half, but it just made me laugh. I was like, I don't know if this was the case for you, but it just reminded me like there was definitely a moment like Nora Jones, if you were like having anything nice, like any kind of party or you know, you made dinner or maybe it's a romantic dinner. Like Nora Jones was this, your go-to artist to play in the background. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you may be like, I hate Nora Jones. I don't like her at all. But. No, she's fine. I just, yeah, that I could see that. And I remember her being in the background and having that song, but that whole scene, I wouldn't have known necessarily it was her just because yeah. there were so many other things I was focusing on in the scene. Yeah, I, I I think her music in that scene actually kind of elevates the you know romantic part of it, and we talked mm -hmm. about you know Bullock in her dress and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, um, I feel like Nora Jones. I might be making this up, but I feel like I remember she's like has a jazz background or something like that, I, 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 or something like that. Or she's you know, and so then she had this like you know surge surge of a career, and I think 
I'm sure people who like were pure like jazz lovers hated it because everybody's like, yeah, I like jazz. I listen to Nora Jones. And I'm sure they're like, that is not jazz. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, not. <laughs> yeah. So you touched on it a little bit. Um, the chasing kind of declaration of love. So uh, there's definitely a moment here where George deserts, you know, this press conference of the community center uh, about to be torn down and races to uh it's kind of like a pro bono law firm, right? That Lucy's yeah. at. Um, mm -hmm. So um, what, what, do, what do you give this? I, I, you seem to like it. You mentioned the kiss part of it. And I, that didn't register for me at all. <laughs> you know, I, it's a really interesting scene because Lucy is all business. And so for George to show up at her workplace in front of all of her coworkers and declare his love in the best way that he can, uh, in a quiet, contemplative way, which is a complete departure from the rest of the movie and his character, you know, I feel like at first she doesn't know how to process those emotions. And you see that wall go up because she's been hurt and she's scared. But then her coworkers have the same deadpan expression as they're all processing it together, which I thought was really humorous. But then all of a sudden she realizes, oh, yeah, okay, this is great. And so it was just, I liked it, but it was a very odd culmination of the relationship yeah. because everything had been so quick witted. Uh, the banter back and forth was just constant. And this was something completely different. And so I did like it, but it was just so different from the rest of the movie. And then when she chases after him, they have this amazing kiss that goes on. And I thought, wow, like he really went for it. And I don't think I noticed that 20 plus years ago when I first saw it. Saw it. So uh, I did enjoy that part. So I would say probably a four. four okay. Okay. So this is where I'm a little, uh, and this ties into kind of what you were talking about earlier. Uh, I'm a little harsh on it. The thing that really, really bothered me about this movie was the community center aspect of the story. Uh, because I feel like it was just used as, I mean, it definitely was used as the catalyst for every action that happens in this movie. And I feel like, you know, we talked about New York City being character. I really felt like this movie missed its chance to really build up that community center aspect. We never meet anybody from the community center. We never see inside the community center. They talk about it being this like historical building. And so it really bothered me that he just like ditches this press conference and I could just audibly hear his brother going like, okay. And hitting like the button that makes the like you know wrecking ball come down. <laughs> like I almost I almost heard the community center crashing. That it's like I understand that you George see this as a big declaration. You know that like I love you and things will be great. But you know he's just like you're doing no good leaving leaving your job, dude. Like you just like that doesn't mean the community center is not going to go down. Now going now back to what you said, the fact that this deleted scene and they get married at the community center they get married at the community center and the man that performs the ceremony apparently is the one that's the head of the community center so it's really okay. interesting they, you've got to go watch it it's very intriguing yeah did they do they is the scene outside of the community center or inside of course yes it's not inside <laughs> okay okay yeah but anyway so that's why i gave it two and a half i just mentally from and I, I love rom-coms. I, I totally can like escape into this movie, but like, it was just one of those things where I'm like, Lucy's like, I appreciate the effort guy, but you know, uh, that, that didn't save my building, but uh, it seemed like the, uh, yeah, I really do think this movie would have been enhanced by that scene, even though I hadn't seen it. I, I really think that would have helped me personally, but yeah. And you may watch it and go, Sarah is smoking something because it's literally out of nothing to me. <laughs> but I personally found it enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's funny. Um, okay, so the last one, uh, last uh, uh, category is the rewatchability. Uh, what do you give this? Absolutely. I think it's a lot of fun. I think sometimes you have to watch it multiple times to catch all of the little one-liners and to pick up on the little nuances that are in the movie. And there are things that I saw this time watching it that I had no recollection of from the many times I've watched it before. So I would say a four as far as rewatchability. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I give it a solid three and a half. I, I, um, I do think this this is enjoyable. You mentioned, you know, the other movies that came out around this time. You know, I do think it definitely gets lost um, um, amongst the shuffle of rom-coms. 
to me, like I mentioned, number 17 on this list, like I'm just looking at a couple that are, are above it, but like say anything. I mean, I would put say anything before this. I mean, there's a lot of, um, a lot of movies. I just, I just go to uh, two weeks notice. Isn't necessarily one of them. Uh, I don't think it's had quite the legs as maybe some others have, you know, but I just can't help but think that whoever compiled this list, the different uh, writers, and they must've just had like a real sweet spot for this movie. So, cause I totally like, if it is like a favorite of yours, you know, there's nothing inherently like awful about the movie, but yeah, definitely without the stars, it definitely would not be <laughs> as good. <laughs> you know, so. and it's funny as I look through the different rom-coms that are some of my favorites, I do find it interesting that this is number 17. And yeah. I don't know if you saw the movie Music and Lyrics with he and Drew Barrymore in it. And it had some of the same quick-witted one-liners. I love that. And that's probably a good almost decade later that that movie came out. But, uh, and he plays the same character in that as well. You know, this kind of flippant boy toy, you know, really doesn't emotionally invest in anything. But, uh, you know, I look at that and go, that had almost better writing than this did. And I don't even know if it's on that list. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's very interesting how far movies have come. Uh, I really don't think it could have been written now and received well at all. But it was fun when it came out. Yeah. Yeah. And I failed to mention the director here, uh, Mark Lawrence. He he's done a lot of projects with both Hugh Grant and Sandra Bullock. So uh, four of his movies, uh, this one, then music and lyrics, uh, which you mentioned, did you hear about the Morgans and their rewrite all-star uh, Hugh Grant? And so I think there's a relationship there. And he also, uh, he didn't direct these films, but he wrote uh, the comedy films, uh, films, forces of nature, miscongeniality, and the sequel to that movie as well. So anyway, um, it's funny that he, he's, he's worked with these, uh, you know, these two quite a bit. And so there's definitely a history there. So it, it makes sense that he's kind of able to write for them so well. <laughs> Absolutely. Cause I feel like he finds their strengths very, very well in all of those movies. Yeah. Well, awesome. Is there any, anything else you wanted to get in about this movie? I don't think so. I think it's a lot of fun. I think everybody should see it at least once. Um, and, you know, if it's not your favorite, that's okay. Cause you'll at least get some laughs out of it and then move on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Recommendations. Is there anything you would like to recommend? We recently watched silo on Apple TV, which yeah. is a complete departure from this. Um, it was a struggle to make it through, but after watching the season one finale, I have thought about that more than I did the rest of the show. I mean, my husband literally would fall asleep within 15 minutes and he usually was fine. So it was a very interesting show to me. The other favorite we have right now is Only Murders in the Building. And oh, okay. I absolutely adore Steve Martin and Martin Short and this season with it focusing around Broadway. Again, my sweet spot, I absolutely love it. There are things I've learned, terms that I didn't even know were terms that I'm like, oh, I had no idea. So it's been educational for me, but uh, that's another one of my favorites. Okay, yeah, awesome. For We just haven't started the third season yet uh, for whatever reason, um, but and we we definitely watched the first two it only murders in the building for me is I, I love steve martin so much and martin short and so i watch it almost solely for them so even though i might not like uh um i, I don't think it's a bad show but it, it's not the one i'm immediately like all right let's watch it you know let's watch it but you know just see they there's always like uh, a couple of scenes with those two that i think the their delivery and the writing is so sharp at moments it makes it worth watching for me they are fantastic i remember seeing an interview with the two of them and the first time that martin short met steve martin they were working on three amigos and martin short had come to his home and he looked around and saw all these expensive paintings and just how elaborate his home was and he said i've seen your work how can you afford all of this? And so just the banter, the quick wittedness between the two of them. I mean, they have been friends for such a long time and there's such a deep respect, but also um, such comedic timing between the two of them. I love that they're in this show together and kind of having a heyday again. Um, I feel like mm -hmm. they both equally deserve that because they are hysterical and they were part of that uh, group original group from saturday night live at least steve martin was and then martin short came in a little bit later uh back when 
it was really truly funny you know at the very beginning so i really really enjoyed them in this show yeah uh you saying that i i just want i might have mentioned it before but i always tell people about this but um this is the bad thing kind of about streaming and especially netflix like they push out so much content sometimes things like come out and then they're forgotten about but uh steve martin and martin short went on the road uh and they basically it's kind of uh, it's not a one act show because there's obviously two two of them on F netflix it came out in 2018 it's called steve martin and martin short an evening you will forget for the rest of the for, sorry this is a funny <laughs> title an evening you will forget for the rest of your life uh but anyway have you seen that i have not i remember following steve martin on twitter about the time that came out i really wanted to get tickets to take my parents and the dates just could never line up where we could go but if you don't follow steve martin on twitter you should because he is hilarious yeah yeah uh so definitely check that out especially if you love them and it, it's just they do songs they do you know the, it's almost like old school comedy you know traditional uh type of stuff but it's hilarious and it's one of those things it's like especially if you're a fan of them like you know and you have netflix like check it out you know it's on there but um so my recommendation i've been kind of waiting to recommend this one just because it, uh, it just took me a little bit to finish, not because of the quality of the show, but, um, and, you know, I, I, I've kind of, through this discussion, I, I feel like you have a dark humor than I think I remember you having. So I really appreciate that <laughs> about you. I don't know if I'm off by saying that, but um, there's a show on Netflix called nope, Beef. not at all. And I will say it's, um, I, I really like it a lot. I, it's one of those that I could understand if people might not like it as much but basically the premise is two strangers get into a road rage incident that brings chaos into their lives so um it's 10 episodes it's uh the first tv show that a24 has produced um and a lot of people are a fan of a24 films so it 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 is definitely a drama. It's got some comedy elements to it. It's definitely the way that these two characters, how this road rage incident just like catapults their thinking. And I, I think it's a, I think if people give it a chance, I think it really shows just how we can let like anger consume our lives. And, um, and it shows how much like basically being reactionary, uh, has effect on all the people around you. And then being a 24 with a kind of an indie spirit, the ending gets very just like, uh, bizarre, but in a like wonderful way. So I think if you're open to like kind of some TV shows that'll make you kind of, uh, be a little bit more introspective. Like I think people definitely need to check out beef on Netflix. So, um, I think it got, um, I think it was nominated for a couple of Emmys, which um, because of the writer strike, th that ceremony was postponed. But um, I think it got some love by the performances there and stuff. So that that's my recommendation. I will definitely have to yeah. check that out. But if you watch it and you're kind of like, oh my gosh, this is the darkest thing I've ever watched, and, you know, <laughs> just don't blame me. So yeah, <laughs> no worries. Yeah. Well. Um, as always, check out moviesorelife.com for episode reviews and more. If you love this podcast, please take a moment to rate and review it. This really helps us with finding new listeners. And then, Sarah, did you know that you can support us financially? I did not know that. Yeah, so there, it's super easy. There's a link in the podcast description. You just can click it. It says support this podcast. Um, and so that really helps uh, helps us just keep the lights on, so to speak. But we really appreciate uh, any kind of donation or support. And that just kind of helps things like the website and the recordings and the storage and, uh, you know, renting. I had to rent this movie on... Uh, on apple i was like how is this not streaming anywhere but we would always really appreciate that and i, I want to thank you sarah for coming on and this was fun to catch up i mean i didn't think a two weeks notice would be it deserve almost an hour-long conversation about it but <laughs> i think i think we uh mined some good stuff from it i think so too it was great to catch up well um thank you so much and uh, i hope you have a great week thanks you too take care okay. all right bye bye, -bye.